If you knew me, you would know that I broadly love learning. So whether that's in the form of like books, podcasts, articles, whatever. Hi, we're Hannah Bay, Jasmine Joda, and Teresa McCartney, all T23s. And you're listening to If You Knew Me, a grassroots podcast dedicated to celebrating diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Tech School of Business at Dartmouth. I really like learning in an abstract sense. So well, pre-talk, I used to read a lot of books, not at talk. I haven't read a <laughs> single book, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, you would think that we have more time to read books because we're a business school. So like we do have a lot of time, but the thing is, it's like there's also like a lot of FOMO, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to go to all the events too, mm-hmm. and like the thing with like at least for me when I'm reading books is I need like continuous uninterrupted time. Yeah. And when I'm reading books, it's like you you don't or when I'm here and reading books, you don't get that as much. Yeah. Especially if I want to like hang out in the common area because mm-hmm. then like people will stop by and chat. And mm-hmm. so like, I'll be like, oh shit, like what did I just read again? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I end up, re- like I end up reading a lot of articles um, mm-hmm. instead. And so that and podcasts. But, yeah. Ooh, I love podcasts. What podcast do you like? Okay, <clears throat> I have a ton. So I love Tim Ferriss podcast. You know him. Yeah. Yeah, he is the OG. He's yeah, like yeah. the, but he's also the GOAT. Like, yeah, if he's you, really good. Like, he will have a podcast for two hours. And I listen to the whole thing. I'm just like captivated the whole entire He just is so good at asking the right questions. Yeah, yeah. He also has fascinating guests. Yeah, so I think like, especially with Tim Ferriss, like, I was like super obsessed with Tim Ferriss' podcast back in the day. And like, yeah. cause, but like, the thing is, I feel like after you listen to like interview podcasts for a while too, you like, you, it's like you kind of like absorb already absorb like what they're saying and so it's like each after like i don't know like 100 or 200 like yeah. each incremental one isn't like as much as like when they originally like you already like kind of got a lot of what it was out of it right already yeah. and so like that's that's like one of the podcasts that i loved and like yeah. but like it's and it was like really important in terms of like podcasts for me but like i don't know if like right now it's like as important for my like listening uh, style, you know? okay what are you listening to right now mm-hmm. so i also listen to a lot of <laughs> podcasts but so like there there's like uh i like like uh history podcasts and like some uh like slice of life podcast so like i guess like on the history podcast it could be like very loose history like not even like actual history right so like there's a podcast called acquired mm-hmm. and they originally started off as like successful acquisitions in tech and like discussing those. And then they eventually pivoted into telling the history of companies. And so they would tell like the history of uh, like uh, Berkshire Hathaway, for example, Mm -hmm. or like Alibaba or like some other company. Mm -hmm. And then like now in like the most recent season, they even started doing like, they even like told a history of like the career of Taylor Swift oh my and god like, that's so funny yeah so like these podcasts are like really long yeah uh, so they're like three hours but they're they're really good and wow i should really listen to that it sounds like it yeah. sounds like a good business podcast yeah too. yeah it's really cool and then obviously like this american life yeah i love this american, this american life, life. It's good how um, about this yeah how yeah, about this classic. and so i guess like class can vary but <laughs> 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 we, can, we can talk about that too yeah. <laughs> 
when it's when it's um like some core classes are required and yeah so when they're 8 30 in the morning yeah so <laughs> i think Monday, like it's the, not your favorite yeah i mean like also like so the problem with some of the core classes is like either you ended up like one it could be taught in like a boring way yeah and then that like really affects how much you would get out of it yeah and then two like I went to undergrad business school and so um, like some of these core classes are like some like sure it's different in a sense so like there are some classes where you get a lot more out of it because mm -hmm. it's more of a discussion format as opposed to like undergrad where it's a lecture format yeah but, like some of the concepts are the same and so it's like if you have the right professor it's great if you have the wrong professor then it's like boring and you can't really focus um what did you think about andy bernard's teaching style because it was, uh, <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> I heard from a lot of people that yeah. it's like a lot of econ majors from undergrad that they're learning new things in his class. Yeah. But also it's a discussion. Yeah. And so I wonder if you learned a lot. Yeah, I, I learned a ton. So like I didn't take any macro econ classes when I was an undergrad. Yeah. And so like I think Annie Bernard as a teacher, I think like separate from like him as a person i think he's like a fantastic teacher yeah i learned a ton of his class i thought his class was like super engaging right yeah. like it was like one of the most engaging classes i had at talk and yeah it's actually like a lot more engaging it i actually agree out of all the core classes i would say it was one of the most engaging yeah exactly i think his class and i had gavetti for strategy mm. did you have i don't know and i'm taking him as oh, a second half minute. i yeah. heard he's really good he especially really good. for the emerging markets strategy in emerging markets class yeah so uh i mean i've only had one class so far because it's like an f mini but i mean i think just <laughs> overall he's like he has really great energy right and he like tries to promote discussion which is what yeah. i really like because for me like if you're just lecturing you can kind of get that anywhere like you could read about it online yeah. right it's like discussion that's like more interesting to me because like then you like Ooh. hear about like your classmates perspectives yeah and like you can build on it you can disagree with it whatever mm. and so I mean, he had a couple classes on Zoom and like, I'm not gonna lie, that's not the same. Cause like, I feel like yeah. that like really impacts like people's ability to pay attention and discuss and stuff. Yeah. But I think like when it's in person, it's like fantastic. <clears throat> I think that's, I really, really love that we love, I love that we're taking classes all in person right now. Yeah. Especially without masks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like before when we had Zoom, a lot of people weren't coming into class and I feel like it really hindered our class's ability to like have conversations because there's yeah. so much learning that you have through discussions. Yeah. So I don't know how Ramon does it, but for example, Cavetti, something that he would do is like, he would ask a question and have us all talk about it. Mm. And then we would all kind of like <clears throat> struggle with different concepts together yep. and then come to a place where we like build on top of the things that we've dis discussed together and covered together and then come to like the main point that he wanted us to get to, yeah. which I thought was so genius of a thing that he did. Cause I feel like I'm not really good at, like, how do you get people to like ask, like all, all by only asking questions, how do you get people to come to the aha moment? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think the way Ramon does it is sort of similar. Like he kind of like tries to pose a question and then he'll like facilitate the discussion. So like sometimes mm -hmm. he just like, cold calls people and then sometimes mm -hmm. he like takes people's hands but like it's it's great and like what i really like and like any bernard does this too which is like mm -hmm. when teachers like push back because like sometimes like people will say stuff and then like sometimes it will be like yeah. okay like 
I'm glad you said something, but like that's not like true. Or <laughs> You're like, wrong. <laughs> yeah, or like not even not necessarily that as like an objective fact or whatever, but yeah. like it'd be nice to have people push back. And then so like I think having yeah. a professor that like pushes back so that it actually like then builds the discussion yeah. is like interesting too. Yeah. I think I think like disagreement like really makes I feel like some people are really afraid of disagreeing. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot you can learn from disagreeing because like i feel like what happens when you disagree with someone it forces the other person to try to argue for their own argument by first listening to your argument I, in, yeah. in an ideal situation yeah like when you're trying to argue politics i don't think it works yeah all, i but. i told i totally agree i think like i mean also i'm like sometimes i'm like really bad at disagreeing in the sense that like i don't want to disagree with someone because yeah. then it might like make them uncomfortable or whatever but yeah, yeah i think like i think like that's like the ideal right yeah but, like the, the problem a lot of times with like real-time disagreement is that like you don't process what the other person is saying and like really absorb their position yeah. and so like you end up just like doubling down on your position yeah. and so like real-time discussion like sometimes yeah. like falls into that trap I read this book from Adam Grant called Think Again. Mm. Have you read it? I, I actually just listened to it on the audiobook and he narrates the whole book and he actually has a podcast too. Which yeah. is, you listen yeah. to it? Yeah. I, I, I haven't listened to his podcast, but I know because he's been on guests on like multiple podcasts. Yeah. And so like they would promote it. And so like I, I remember that he did have a podcast. He's really good. It's like I, seasonal, right? It's yeah. not like every week or mm-hmm. something. But he he's like he has a very engaging personality. Mm. And so it carries over into the audiobook. Yeah. But he basically talks a lot about, like, like he wrote this book actually, right, <laughs> like, about, uh, when the election frenzy was happening with Biden and Trump. Yeah. And he was talking about how, like, he would have disagreements with his friends who he, he also respects because they're also intelligent. But yeah. sometimes they would just dis- agree to disagree and yeah. how frustrating it is. But it's because, like, people's beliefs... <clears throat> are so strong and for their like and tied into their um values or politics so it just makes people double down but yeah yeah no i mean yeah you like adam grant's podcast yeah i think i should actually read his books because i've only like listen to his podcast or yeah. podcast where he's been on guests <laughs> yeah. or like read like a couple articles yeah. or actually so power and influence we had like a couple oh, snippets of his book oh. yeah yeah so i mean I like power and influence. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's like a mushy class in the sense that like there's no like concrete facts or uh-huh. anything in like yeah. in like a number sense. But yeah. I think it's like cool because like a lot of the readings are interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of class discussion. I love those kinds of classes because I feel like leadership is definitely a science and an art. So, what did you learn from that class? Yeah, so I think it's like hard to say because I think for a class like that, like. I feel like most people know the concepts, but like the hard part is like actually executing on the concepts, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, yeah, you can know like that you're being underpaid or something, mm-hmm. but then like, how do you have the conversation mm-hmm. about how do you get a raise or how do you get mm-hmm. properly compensated? Mm-hmm. Like that's the hard part. So like the class will give you the tools to like evaluate situations and stuff, but like some of that you already know, it's just like actually you doing it is the ultimate hard part of, mm-hmm. of the thing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so they don't let you actually practice. You know, that's one of my, that's one of my, I guess like small complaints about some of our classes is, yeah. for example, like in managing organizations, we learn so many good 
idealistic lessons, but we don't actually get to practice any of them. And so I guess it's the same thing in power and influence is like, yeah, how do you ask for, you know, when you, when you go to like someone who, <clears throat> I don't know about you, I really struggle with like going to upper management and asking for things like raises because I grew up uh, having like hierarchy shoved down my throat yeah. in, in the sense of like, like in an Asian culture, there's like respect your elders yeah, and like never like go out of line. Yeah. And so it's really hard for me to just like demand. I feel like I can't. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's actually like <clears throat> similar, but different for me. So like similar in the sense that I also have like difficulties doing that mm -hmm. so like i think like my difficulty is because like for example at my previous job i was at a startup and i was being underpaid and like oh. even relative to the startup i was being underpaid and so like i knew mm -hmm. that but like and i did have the conversation with my boss a couple times but like i didn't press hard for it right mm -hmm. and so like it was hard for me to have that conversation because like especially like once i knew somebody like there was the the fact that like i wanted them to like me and the yeah. fact that like i wanted to like be accommodating and understanding and all that stuff right mm -hmm. so like it's hard in that sense because like you can understand like something is like right or whatever but like th that's like the execution part right like how do you actually do it and like yeah. that's yeah it's like really hard for me if you could go back in time knowing what you know now do you think you would press more for a raise um i actually don't know so because like it's, it's funny actually so when i was leaving mm -hmm. um my boss like made a pitch for me to stay it, like talked about like big raise new equity grant like the fact that like i worked there for two and a half years have so much institutional knowledge he was like you don't even have to do like do this job we can like get you into a different role if that's what you want but like was he giving you all, like was he saying like you should not go to business school you should stay here or was he saying you you can go to business school but but, but continue working with us no so i also think i could have continued working with them mm -hmm. what if i went to business school but i didn't do that because i feel like so like right now i'm a part-time internship but like mm -hmm. what's great is that like there's no preconceived notion of like what i like do in like the part-time internship so like mm -hmm. your responsibilities and your role isn't defined mm -hmm. but like at my old job I feel like I might have gotten like because I had so much institutional knowledge and like did so much mm -hmm. like I might have had to do things that I didn't want to do and mm -hmm. so like that's like part of the reason and like just the fact that I was going to business school and mm -hmm. like I wanted to like fully immerse myself into this like experience and especially like the first few months right like mm -hmm. really get to meet everybody yeah. and like put myself like into recruiting and social and all that mm -hmm. stuff and so i think that was like one of the reasons why i didn't want to like keep working on a part-time basis mm -hmm. but um but also he was also like saying like oh like you can like go to business school later and like mm -hmm. do this for now and like we can like revamp your role and all that stuff mm -hmm. and so um i think it was like so i think like going back to your original question yeah if like i went back in time i don't know if i necessarily would have pushed harder just because i like always knew i wanted to go to business school so oh. i took my gmat 
senior year of undergrad. That's insane. When I was That's so I was part time, yeah, I was part time second semester. So I had time like a lot of time to study for the GMAT. And like it's so much easier when you're an undergrad, right? Yeah, you're, you're like, bright. Your brain is fresh. Yeah, yeah, and you're like in the testing mindset. So you're yeah. like studying is like no big deal. Taking a test is no big deal. Like yeah. I can't I can't imagine how hard it is to study for the GMAT while you're like working a full time job. I know. And all that stuff. So it was like way easier for me back then. Um, I think business school is a place I really wanted to come to because I could learn how to like increase all of my skills that I feel very weak at. Yeah. No, what, I mean, yeah. And, it's, and it's great that like you did Tuck Talks, right? So yeah. like, I'm sure that was hard for you to do. And so it was like really great yeah. that like you did it. I'm sure you uh, learned a lot out of it. Did you, did you list, were you there? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, really? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately I couldn't go to the winter one because yeah. I was already home, but like I went to that one. Oh, uh, yeah. thank no, you. It was great. Uh, um, Tuk was a lot easier though because it was all written. Mm. So I didn't have to uh, think on the spot. I think that's what I really struggle at. And that's why recruiting was a shit show for me because yeah. it's a lot of like thinking on the spot and being concise. Oh, especially yeah. like case studies yeah. or case interviews. Yeah, case interviews, <laughs> yeah. yeah. First of all, do you speak English with your parents? No, uh, it's like a combination. So like I speak a combination of like Chinese and English. Mm -hmm. And so like, so growing up, actually, um, my parents tried to get me to speak Chinese. But like really? I, being the rebellious kid, was like, no, we're speaking English. And so, but like I would still speak Chinese with them. It's just like I also like wanted to i guess like integrate into both canadian and then american society canadian yeah so i was born in china mm -hmm. and then uh moved when i was six to canada because my mom was getting her phd in canada oh my god yeah so like my family moved to canada and so i was there from six to eleven. Oh wow yeah while she was getting her phd and then we moved to the u.s afterwards because she found a job in new jersey and that's how i ended up in new oh. jersey yeah. so how old were you when you came to jersey so i was 11 i believe it was like, like the middle the middle of fifth grade oh, okay so you went through middle school and high school yeah so i did i did everything like kindergarten and before kindergarten in China. I did first to fourth grade in Canada. And then I did half of fifth grade in another school in oh Canada. Oh my God, half of a year? Yeah, that was brutal. So like I was totally <laughs> yeah. new to the school. It was like, it was a Polish and Russian community. So it was also like good in the sense that like they were also immigrants. So like yeah, we had like that bonding factor. Yeah. And so like I did make some friends, yeah. but like I was also a new kid, right? And I was only there for like half the school year. And then I moved to New Jersey and yeah. that's where I went to school ever since. In Canada, were you part of any, like an, an ethically diverse community? Yeah, so my school in Canada was like, I mean, like, Elementary school, when you're that young, your memory is like really bad. But from what I remember, it was like 40, 40% Chinese, 40% Jamaican, like 10% Sri Lankan slash Indian, but mostly Sri Lankan. And then um, like the rest is like wow. a scattering of the yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have never 
seen a grouping of those different ethnicities before yeah, in so one like, community. I mean, I, I don't know. I could totally be misremembering, yeah, but no. that was just like my memory of it. That must yeah. be fun Cause, though. Because like growing up, like I had a lot of Chinese and then Jamaican yeah. friends. Yeah, so yeah. It must, do you feel like that transition was a little bit easier for you to come from China? Uh, yeah, because, okay, so my first grade teacher was Chinese and she spoke Chinese, which really helped because yeah. then like it helped me learn English. Uh, Cause I mean, I spent the summer before school, like trying to learn English, mm -hmm. but like, I don't know, I'm learning with like my parents that also don't know English. So yeah. like, sure, like maybe writing and reading is okay, but like speaking is not. Yeah. And so I was like, I mean, TV helps a lot. And yeah. Then, like, <laughs> but also like having a teacher that yeah. spoke both was really helpful because I never yeah. had to do ESL. So yeah. like, I think I had her for first grade and then like by second grade, I was like fully fluent. Because when you're that young, you learn really fast, That's right? crazy. Yeah. I was in ESL until fifth grade. Well, wh when did you... America? I was born in the U.S. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they put me in ESL for so long. So, like, America's also weird in the sense that, like, they, like, just randomly put people in ESL, I feel like. Because, like, I came to... When I came to America, I was like, like, you should not be in ESL. And, like, you probably should be in yeah. ESL. And I don't know how they do. I moved around a lot too and I feel like it's hard being the new kid but you also learn how to adapt really well yeah so like yeah I feel like there's like many different like I don't know types of people that move around right because like some mm -hmm. people are like really good at making new friends mm -hmm. and I am definitely not how are you bad at making friends what do you mean well okay so I don't know it's also so like that's also part of the reason why I wanted to go to business school so like for me like it was a combination of career and then social mm -hmm. and like both were like equally important in the sense that um so when I was an undergrad I feel like I didn't make the most of it mm -hmm. in the sense that like I was I basically hung out with my roommates all the time which mm -hmm. was like great because they're like really good friends of mine mm -hmm. but like I didn't really participate in the clubs also career clubs which probably hurt me career-wise um especially in business school, uh, undergrad business world mm -hmm. but like so I feel like to I wanted to make more of the experience like the second time around and mm -hmm. so like get more active and social and like just getting more involved mm -hmm. and so like i think that was like a driving factor for like business school too um yeah, yeah you did say that you always wanted to <clears throat> well no when you said that like when you said that you always want to go to b school i was surprised to hear that because i didn't even know business school could be an option for me yeah and so i think you having that exposure when you're an undergrad to knowing what B school is actually going to be like was probably really motivating. Yeah. What did you, what did you do before? So I um so I went to a liberal arts undergrad, got a master's in mental health and counseling. Oh wow. Decided I wanted to become a psychiatrist, so then started working at hospitals and yeah. research labs like pipetting and doing biopsies <laughs> yeah and and then like putting things on slides yeah and uh and then i did like a couple pre-med classes decided science wasn't for me mm. went to huron consulting did healthcare consulting and then came here are you still interested in like the no. healthcare? no i was in it so deeply i yeah. i see how many inefficiencies there are and I think like healthcare is one of the industries that's going to be disrupted um, probably at faster than any other industry, but also just because you have so many companies moving and trying to disrupt the industry doesn't mean that it's actually going to help reform and make all the inefficiencies better. So like hospitals are always going to be gargantuan institutions that have multiple gaps going on that upper management can't fix. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like, I don't know, reading about like the healthcare industry in the US is like really interesting in the sense because yeah. it's like, just like, there's a lot of like conflicting issues, right? And yeah. it's like not like a simple problem that you can just solve. It's yeah. like, just, I don't know, super complicated. Yeah. But I guess like, going back to what you were saying, like, I think like, it was funny. It's funny that you say like, I knew what the experience would be like for business school, like coming out of undergrad business school, which because I think that's like, right in a sense, but like, it was funny because like when I was going into undergrad, I like knew nothing. And yeah. in terms of like career or whatever. So like um I think like a lot of people at NYU, especially, yeah. they like came from like the city or like somewhere where like especially like a lot of kids were from like Stuyvesant, right? So mm -hmm. like they like got a lot more education around like career and like all this other stuff. They know so what I they're like, into. Yeah, like I feel like they were so much more ready than I was. And yeah. so it was, it's like crazy in that sense. Yeah. When you were in high school and you decided to go to NYU and you wanted to do business at NYU, how yeah. did you, what was the thought process like? Like, did you feel like you could learn a lot, like the most in that setting? Yeah, so I think like, so in high school, I mean, I don't know, it's like, my mindset was so different in high school because like, yeah. it was like the opposite all of, us, of, all of, us of now, yeah. right? In the sense yeah. that like, in high school, I wouldn't read a single book. Like, I would get by by like spark notes and whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, it's actually like funny because like I end up reading like some of the books that I was supposed to read in high school, like later, like yeah. for fun. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like the most absurd concept. Like, I should have just read it in high school. Yeah. Um, but in like in high school, like. You don't care about learning in high school. No? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, for. I guess. I went true. to public high school. Me yeah. So in high school, like, I was really good at math and yeah. like anything numbers related and then the other stuff like science and like english stuff like writing whatever like i was like eh, at it mm -hmm. so when i was deciding like what i want to do for college like there were a couple options right like my parent my mom was pushing me towards actuarial science because it's like a combination of like mm -hmm. math and like business mm -hmm. and i was debating between like math and, or like business mm -hmm. like business in the like accounting finance sense where like you mm -hmm. used to be using numbers yeah so like i took like econ and accounting in undergrad or not undergrad and also did take it in undergrad but i took it in high school <laughs> really liked it yeah and so i was like okay like i'll go to undergrad business school and see what it's like oh yeah. and so then at nyu like <laughs> 80 or 90 percent of uh nyu like certain undergrads and a majoring in finance or like having a double major within finance wow. and so it's like it just i don't know and it's numbers so yeah of i did that so in nyu you did finance <clears throat> finance and stats finance and stats so uh, so wow, good combo. i was so bad at stats because <laughs> like so one reason i did stats was because it's easy to get that double major so like the intro to stats class or whatever I did not pay attention, unfortunately. And so like, Joe Smith was a pretty good professor. Yeah. I don't know, like, I, I'm like better with numbers. So like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, so like once I'm in the class and yeah. like learning it, if like the professor's decent, then like it, it really helps if it, oh, yeah. yeah, if the professor's not great, then like, <laughs> I don't know, I kind of. Yeah, like in Corp then. Yeah. So luckily, luckily that I've taken before, but like. Oh my God. I did not get it. was such a class. struggle. Yeah, that, that was It was like 8.30 a.m. I was like, what is my life? Yeah. Um, nice guy though. Yeah, he's super nice. Yeah. Wait, were you there when he like brought the Darth Vader mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was hilarious. Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs>
Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Then you did, you took uh, finance and stats at NYU. Yeah. And then you graduated and then... I worked at Diageo. Yeah. So... Do you know Diageo? Is? It's the it's the alcohol. The yeah. Spirit, yeah. Yeah. The spirits conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. Conglomerate. Yeah. You say like Diageo, like I mean, maybe business school students will know what you're talking about, but like yeah. the average person would not know what you're talking about. But be like yeah. Johnny Walker, Cap Morgan, Spirit, yeah, yeah. like all their brands. Like yeah, people will know what you're talking about. And so like I did a finance like leadership development program with them, and so it's like a rotational program. Um, yeah. And so I was in Connecticut for a year, San Francisco for a year, ooh. and then. I told them I wanted to be in New York and they stuck me in Connecticut. So I was doing the commute and it was four and a half hours round trip every day. I, I tried to work from home like two days a week and it worked for a little bit, but then they were like, no, only Fridays. And I was like, can't really do this anymore. So then I looked for a new job. And then that was how I ended up at overtime, which is where I was at before school. And did you really like, did you love, like, do you love sports? Uh, no, I, what? me and my roommates would watch it a lot in yeah. undergrad. Yeah. And so it was like a big like thing for me, I guess, even before undergrad. But then like after I graduated, like part of it was like the watching it with people aspect and yeah. like less of that happened after I graduated from undergrad. So, and like, especially working in sports, like it's sort of like sports gaming and like, I don't know, maybe there's like probably some other industries that you can think of, but they're like industries that people that are really passionate about it really want to work in it so you'll be like underpaid and overworked and so like i wasn't like that beauty. passionate about it. yeah yeah like beauty. Same, yeah so like i wasn't that passionate about it and so like i don't think i'll ever work in oh. sports again but oh my god who knows i mean never say never but like eh. <laughs> um okay so then so you worked in sports mm-hmm. but did you i'm curious how this love of learning came about yeah. Was it something that was constant? Because I don't imagine you being like, I love podcasts, I love reading books, when you're playing League with yeah. your high school friends, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, like, how do you think that, like, how did you discover about Tim Ferriss' podcasts and yeah. that you actually love reading? Yeah, I think so. It was, I'm trying to really think, because I've thought about this before, and I don't know if I can remember, like, a specific time where it was, like, it, like, flip the switch for me mm-hmm. so like growing up like yeah i would like reading some books like especially fiction books where um like there was like a nice plot to it and what you was really your favorite addicted. do you like what's your favorite book you remember that like when i was a growing up book. yeah i mean it's probably harry potter but like yeah. that's like the same for like everybody yeah. right like yeah. um there were like some like uh like magic treehouse when i was younger uh, yeah, like, oh animorphs so yeah like that stuff Animal- um but uh what was that one book like goosebumps or something yeah oh yeah. i loved goosebumps yeah. growing up and they have like a tv show too yeah oh man those are but, good memories i would love getting like the scholastic did, did you have the scholastic book fair yeah and then and then like one day you'll go to class and then you have like a nice book of like pile of books on your desk and it's like yeah. all wrapped and <laughs> like the joy i had opening the shrink wrap Hey, I don't know if I had that. You like, didn't? I had, no. Oh my god. So like I've bought like scholastic book sets, yeah. right? Where it comes in like this box and then it's like a box set. But I don't oh. think I had like a scholastic book fair when I was oh, in school. Oh, maybe it was a US thing. Sorry. That's crazy. Sorry. Um Yeah, but I guess like so so lovely I don't know, like I I liked reading books growing up, yeah. sort of, but like yeah. it's like 
there's like a plot to it, right? Yeah. Like who wouldn't like that? It's just that I also like video games more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was like sometime in college. I don't remember if it was like junior or senior year. It was like I think I stumbled on like a blog. Um, so this guy Shane Parrish has a blog called Farnham Street, and so like I used to read that when I guess like in college towards the tail end when this happened and then like after I graduated but I don't really read it as much anymore um it was like kind of about mental models and some other stuff and like and he talked about like books that he loved and like Mm. that was like one of the things that like got me into reading blogs in general and then reading books and then and then it like kind of spiraled from there so like found podcasts and then there were like Mm. other blogs that I really liked so like me and Carson, there's this guy named uh, Scott Alexander who has this blog called Slate Star Codex, or at least it used to be called Slate Star Codex. Now it's called like Astral Codex 10 or whatever. He's like, uh, he's like decently popular, but like also really niche. And um, me and Carson like really love this oh. writer. He's like a really good writer. Oh, um, he has a substack. Yeah, you should probably like read many of his articles uh because like also like have his articles end up being about psychiatry funny enough yeah because he's a psychiatrist but then like he also writes about like everything in terms of like a little bit of philosophy like a decent amount of like politics and like other stuff and so like some of his viewpoints can be like somewhat controversial so like he also so the the reason he ended up with a substack is because he got doxxed by the new york times um and so like for him like his perspective was uh all psychiatrists have to be basically a blank slate to their patients mm-hmm. and so like that's why like he said like his like other psychiatrists in the community like they don't want anything pu- like about them to be known publicly mm-hmm. and so that's why his he was writing under a pseudonym too mm-hmm. and so like the fa- after he got docs like he was like okay like trying to figure out his life afterwards mm-hmm. um but that was like part of the yeah so i think like that ended up being like a big controversy actually like because like actually like some really influential people read him um like elon musk i don't know if elon musk reads him <laughs> but like mark andreessen reads him oh wow um and like some like he's like pretty popular especially among like programmers in tech and so yeah. i assume like the venture community and stuff like that oh, wow. which i assume is how carson knows about him because yeah. carson's like really deep into that yeah um but I think that's one thing I really love about that whole community is they mix philosophy with tech with business. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like it's very it's like it's like how you like think innovatively and like think about our world in a really holistic way. Yeah, yeah. And so like I mean he he knows like next to nothing about tech. But like oh. I do I do agree that like it's like interesting in that sense, right? And I'm yeah. sure like you have like some really dumb opinions out of it and like there, there will always be something to criticize, right? But, like, I don't know. I think it's, like, just I at least, like, striving to have a discussion or whatever, like, put your opinions out there is, like, better than not. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, Yuhan, do you think you would ever... I, I believe in you that you have very, very good opinions <laughs> and thoughts. But do you think you would ever have your own sort of forum for putting out your thoughts into the world? Uh, I don't know. Cause like, I'm, I'm also like big on, I don't know if it's like privacy. Cause like to an extent, like, I don't know, like people know stuff about me. Right. But like, I don't, I don't have like an Instagram, for example, I don't yeah. know why I don't have an Instagram. I don't think it's cause I'm like a nut about privacy. Cause I don't 
think I am a nerd about privacy, but like, it's just like, I, I don't want like, like if I ever did that, it would be like, like uh-huh. under a pseudonym. Uh-huh. Um, cause like, I don't know if I would want like something to tie back to me mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What if you end up becoming super famous under your pseudonym? Don't. Well, I don't think I would ever become super famous, <laughs> but like, I mean, cause like, think about it, right? Like the vast, vast, vast majority of like any creative person is that like, you're basically just like talking to the wind sort of. Yeah. And so that's like kind of uh, the fate of like creative people. But like, yeah. so yeah, I don't know if I ever would, I don't know. No, I think that's true. I think, I mean, doing my own Instagram stuff, I know yeah. I have to market myself a lot. And it really is like another job because you really have to treat it as another business Yeah. to do marketing yeah. for your own brand. How do so, you think it like, do you think the like doing it for marketing purposes makes you like uh, act a certain way for like those things? Or do you think, yeah, it, yeah like, what do you think? About I, that I mean, general? like, some, like I, People really love to be entertained. People really love to be inspired. People really love to be educated. Yeah. And so whenever I make my videos and I like do a skincare look, then I act like a little bit more like innocent. But then when I do a makeup video and the look is like more sexy or something, mm. I like make more like sultry, like faces, whatever. But I That's wonder like, like how it translates of, if like, for example, my, my medium was more like writing blog posts mm. or like newsletters or just like putting actual like articulation to my thoughts because that's a bit different. Like, I wonder if this Scott Alexander person goes to parties and he just like goes on like, like 30 minute rants about like his views on life, you know? So <laughs> no, I, I don't think he does. Cause like, he's also <laughs> talked about like his personal life a little bit. And so like, there's like, the quote unquote rationalist community, which mm-hmm. is like how he originally got his start. So like he branched off from like this community called like less wrong or lesser wrong or something. There's like, they, so they still have a site and like people are still post to it, but I, I don't really read their stuff that much. Cause it's like too, I don't know. It's like a little dense for me and not as interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause like Scott Alexander is a really good writer. So like his stuff, like is really entertaining to me in the sense that like it grabs my attention and like keeps it. But, um, so like, I think that was like how he got his start and like, they like, I don't know if he, I don't think he'd be the type of person to go to a party period. So, um, but I he think didn't like, have enough macaroni, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like, I think even if he did, he probably like, yeah. I don't know, wouldn't be like bombastic with his opinion and stuff. Like, I think it's like he, like his, so like he actually talks about the fact that he doesn't do podcasts. And so like the reason he doesn't do podcasts is because he doesn't think as well in real time. Like wants the opportunity to like take the time to craft his thoughts and then like write it in like uh, written form, right? Cause yeah. then like he has the opportunity to like really craft what he's thinking and like phrase it in a way that he really wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like, yeah, that's like his preferred medium and like what he excels in. Yeah, I, I just hope that we all are able to find the right medium that that is right for us. Yeah. That we could express ourselves. Is it Instagram for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me doing all my little smoldering eyes. <laughs> yeah, I could probably I could probably use that. Luckily, we're on audio only because I have a big pimple and it's like. No, I'm I like, could oh. too. Using this pimple. <laughs> okay, Johan, this was such a good conversation. I learned a it lot about you. I'm so happy that we have something in common. I listen to podcasts literally 
every single day, every time I go to the gym, every time I want to walk. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I, I also would like to read more than I have <laughs> <laughs> not been able to. I, I was actually thinking before I head to New York for the summer, I have like three days of a break. I was just thinking I'll just hang out here and enjoy the river, but also finish all the books that I was hoping to finish. Did you get a chance to like do the river stuff before um, or like in August? I did once. Okay, because yeah. yeah, so like I was here early because I did Outward Bound, and then like we we did like a lot of river stuff afterwards too, and it was like so much fun. Yeah. I mean, like unfortunately, we're not gonna be here in August, right? Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing Yacht Week. Are yes. you doing Yacht Week? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm so pumped. Me too. What are you excited about for um, I guess like the end of the school year? Um. I think like one thing is having everybody here because I feel like as the last month like rolls around, I think people really want to be here for the last month. Whereas like especially in the winter, I don't know about other people, but like I've people are going skiing all the time, like traveling for skiing, all that stuff, and like having only Monday Tuesday classes makes it really easy for you to travel, right? And so I think like one of the nice things is that like the last month i think it would just be great seeing like everyone in one place oh that's so wholesome <laughs> well I, I mean i was gonna say getting drunk with everyone no! in one place, but, <laughs> yeah. Same thing. yeah same thing and these were the same thing <laughs> oh yeah this is so nice thanks for coming here and being a guest yeah this is great i really enjoyed the conversation thanks for listening to this episode of if you knew me the If You Knew Me podcast was founded back in the fall of 2020 to help deepen student connections and foster a culture of belonging at Tuck. Please check out our other episodes to support and learn more about other Tuckies. If you have any questions or feedback on the podcast, or if you want to be featured on a future episode, please contact us at the email address listed in the description.